Welcome to Positively Leading, the podcast that's all about helping you grow your resilience, leadership and influence. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Howling, and each week we will be diving into a variety of topics related to leadership, communication and personal growth. From feedback and accountability to diversity and inclusion, we'll explore the skills and strategies that you need to become a more effective leader. So whether you are looking to improve your communication skills, build strong relationships with your team, or simply become more confident in your role, join me on this journey of growth and discovery, and let's get positively leading. Hello, and welcome back to Positively Leading. And in this third episode, we will be exploring how you can be a more positive leader. Now, I've got a confession to make. There was a time when I first moved into senior leadership around 20 years ago, but I was not the greatest leader or manager. I, like many leaders, was promoted because I was technically good at my job and I was thrown at the deep end with an immediate team of 10 and a wider staff body of over 100 and a hell of a project to champion. Now, despite all of my good intentions for my team, an MBA and leadership training under my belt, I was not prepared for people leadership and I only had an inkling of how to bring out the best in others. Now, unfortunately, this is a common challenge because studies suggest that 58% of managers say that they don't feel equipped with the skills to lead effectively. And just under half haven't received any training a year into their role. It's extremely worrying, but probably not surprising that 38% of new leaders fail within the first 18 months. The problem is, as I mentioned, that most leaders like I was, are appointed because they've been technically successful and have been really good at getting things done. And whilst many leadership development programs and MBAs provide training on communication, negotiation, finance and legal compliance, they almost never have people leadership and human flourishing and performance on the curriculum. So it's no surprise that many leaders and managers are struggling to bring out the best in themselves and in their teams. In the last episode of Positively Leading, we focused on leading yourself first and how to build and preserve your energy to lead, resilience and a positive mindset and well-being. And if you haven't listened to episode two yet, I encourage you to do so because you will learn about three myths about resilience and three strategies And there's also a free download for you with even more strategies. But back to this episode where we are shifting the focus to the question, not about how can you positively lead yourself, but how can you be a positive leader for others? And you will learn four ways in which you can, along with immediately actionable strategies. Now, positive leadership is an emerging and growing field of research and practice, and Results are increasingly being seen that employees with higher levels of well-being are more engaged, more productive, sell more, have happier customers, make better leaders, and are less likely to burn out at the office. So even though there may be some listeners thinking that this is a little bit too soft and fluffy for me, there is nothing soft and fluffy about these kinds of results. Now, the four ideas I'll share in this episode are backed by research and tried and tested by me over the last 20 years. And as in every episode of Positively Leading, many are tiny tweaks with huge transformation that you can make yourself with no or limited budget. Ready? Let's dive in. The first idea today is building high quality 
connections. Researchers Jane Dutton and Emily Heafy identified high quality connections as interactions that create energy, an energy that is contagious. Now, HQCs can take the form of short-term and momentary interactions, so like an exchange walking through the hallway, and they can also be long-term and ongoing, like working on a project team where there's excitement and engagement over time. And research has shown that when HQCs are present, people are more open, they broaden their thinking, learning is heightened, and resilience is building as well. And this is because each time we genuinely connect with another person, the pleasure-inducing hormone oxytocin is released into the bloodstream. And this helps to reduce anxiety and improve our concentration and our focus. So the key question then is, how do we create high-quality connections? Well, the great news is that scientists have discovered it takes just a micro-moment to connect, and we can do so by sharing a positive emotion. Now, that might be just demonstrating kindness or interest or gratitude. It could just be taking a moment at the end of the day to genuinely thank someone and let them know how they've made your work a little bit easier and more enjoyable. Or it might be catching up with somebody in the corridor and just asking them about their weekend or their kid's latest uh, piano recital. The moments of connection, those micro moments of connection, can really make a difference. A second thing that we can do is to make sure that we are present in all of our meetings and all of our interactions. So we are in a one-to-one meeting, for example, making sure our laptop is closed, we are turning towards somebody, that we're taking a few deep breaths and we're truly connecting. I remember years ago now, I had a boss and I used to go for my one-to-one meetings with him and he just used to be looking at his watch, what seemed almost constantly, and maybe he didn't even know he was doing it, but it used to be so off-putting and it fueled a disconnect that just grew and grew over time because I didn't feel seen or valued or heard. You might be able to connect a little bit more by closing your laptop, putting away the phone, moving away from the desk so you're sitting beside somebody. It can make such a difference. And a third and final idea to build high quality connection is through our use of language. The words that we use can tell somebody whether they believe or we believe that we're all working together as a team. So just simply shifting language from I or you and instead using we can have a big impact on how people feel and the connection they feel because it shows that you trust others to join you in that collaborative effort. You need to remember, however, that your actions must also match your words. So that's high quality connections. Our second idea is being mindful of your mood. I remember when I was back in teaching in Bermuda and the teacher next door to me had a poster on her wall and it was for students, right? But the poster on the wall said, attitudes are contagious, is yours worth catching? And I've always remembered the poster and it's really useful for us as leaders because the energy that we bring into a room, to any connection, to any situation, are we bringing an attitude that's positive and optimistic or are we bringing one that might be negative? We are always leading And that's one of the things that makes it quite difficult, that there is no downtime for a leader. 
People are always watching, are always listening. People are always feeling that energy that you bring. So being mindful of mood and mindful of the energy that you bring to any kind of interaction. Dr. Daniel Goldman's amazing research in emotional intelligence suggests that 20 to 30% of performance is determined by the mood of employees. Wow, 30% of performance is determined by the mood of employees because studies have found that when we experience positive emotions like joy, interest, pride, or gratitude, for example, this can help to broaden our minds. So we're thinking more creatively and collaboratively, and we are building our resources so that we're more resilient to deal with the ups and downs that we all experience at work. So do you have a mood strategy for your team? As a leader, I decided to apply some of these ideas into my team meetings. And we started building in some rituals to help us start and finish meetings. And that might have been a question at the beginning, you know, what's good for you? Or what have you learned this week? Or what's working well? Although it felt a little bit uncomfortable to begin with, the laughs around the table and the sense of gratitude really did give us a lift in positive emotions. And this meant we were in a better place to deal with the challenges that the agenda might have brought to the meeting. And we often also ended with not just our planned actions, but actually sharing appreciation for each other or something that we learned during the meeting too. What small tweak could you make that could boost the mood in your meetings to help you be neurobiologically ready to navigate change together? Now, the third idea is about building strengths and giving appreciative feedback. In future episodes, we'll be taking a deeper dive into feedback. But for today, appreciative feedback is a very powerful way of becoming a more positive leader. The Corporate Leadership Council have found that when a manager has a conversation that focuses primarily on an employee's weaknesses, that employee's performance can decline on average by 36% afterwards. Whereas if the manager focuses on an employee's strengths, that person's performance improves on average 27%. And when we think about feedback, we often think about constructive feedback or learning feedback, and we even label things positive and negative. But actually, one of the things to think about is the need to balance feedback over time so that there is actually more appreciative feedback than negative feedback. And positive psychology research suggests a ratio of at least one to three, at least one to three, and this is from the work of Professor Barbara Fredrickson. Building this ratio in has got three core benefits. It can support the creation of a strengths-based culture, which has been proven to increase productivity and performance over time. Two, being seen through the lens of our strengths is really powerful because we feel seen for who we truly are. And it also leads to an increase in positive emotions. And three, when we spot strengths and positive behaviors in others, it can really start to shift how we show up in conversations, which can then have a huge change in our relationships and team dynamic. That's quite a difference considering all you're doing is talking. So as a leader, I worked to try to normalize giving feedback little and often by taking advantage of everyday situations that I could give positive feedback. So for example, after a presentation, rather than just saying, oh, great job, Bob, I said, you know, in that presentation, Bob, you spoke really clearly and fluently and it held the audience's attention. Would you be able to share that with somebody else? 
So what you're doing is you're just saying thank you, but you're also saying thank you and well done through the lens of a strength. So you're highlighting and noting and demonstrating the strengths of someone so they can see that powerful impact. And as a leader, I also decided it was worth taking the time to know myself and my team's strengths. So we did a range of different strengths work. We worked on the Clifton strengths, but also we looked at the VIA, the VIA character strengths as well. Because when we identify and recognize our own strengths and the strengths of others in our team, we then are able to shape our jobs a little bit more and be at our best and much more in flow at work. Now, performance improved considerably through that process. And also we felt more able, more in tune with each other as well through that process too. The fourth idea is to shift to a more coaching style of leadership. You don't need to go on a coaching course, a month long or a year long coaching course to get started with bringing a more coaching approach because there are some things that you can do straight away. The first is that if a member of your team comes to you with an issue, don't try to fix it. (laughs) Notice that you might want to fix it, you might want to give advice, but then pause, just stop. The second is to ask them to tell you a little bit more about what's going on for them. So rather than just jumping to fix it, simply say, can you tell me a little bit more about that? The third is to listen to their response. And when I say listen, I mean listen, truly listen. So not thinking about what you want to say next, genuinely sit there and listen. And then the fourth is to ask some open questions, some generative questions. And these helpful questions often start with how and what. So those are just four things that you can do straight away to start bringing in a more coaching style into your leadership. So the first is notice that need to fix or that jump to advice. The second, ask them to tell you a little bit more about what's going on. The third is to listen to the response. And the fourth is to ask some what and how questions that can help their thinking. There are many more ways to be a positive leader, and we will be exploring these in much more detail in future episodes. But for today, I hope you've enjoyed hearing not only about the research, but some of the small tweaks that I made in my leadership. Now, these small changes had a big impact on the performance, on my own performance, and also that of my team, and also our well-being as well. Results improved, staff retention increased, as did staff satisfaction and engagement. As we come to the end of today's episode, let's review our four core ideas from the show. So the first is building high quality connections. The second, being mindful of mood and having a mood strategy. The third is giving appreciative feedback and having a strength-based approach. And the fourth is thinking about shifting to a more coaching style of leadership. So what might be possible for you if you try just one of these steps to be an even more positive leader for your team? As always, I am cheering you on from here. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Positively Leading. I hope you found it helpful in your journey to becoming a better leader. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback not only helps me grow, but also helps others discover the podcast and join our community of positive leaders. 
And if you'd like to work with me, you can head over to sarahowlin.com to find out how. Thanks once again for listening. And remember, the world needs more brilliant leaders just like you. So keep on positively leading.